I know they hate it when I speak my truth It's dangerous So dangerous To bottle this anguish Yeah, I say gangster rap in his industry. Brothers was in the street. Group of farmers Welcome back to Today We Decide About Tomorrow podcast. This is episode 20, Suffer in Silence. Man, allow me to um, set the table. A couple years ago, I had a conversation with a near and dear friend of mine by the name of Travis Corley. I speak of him all the time. He is my right-hand man. I'm not going to lie to you. We talk about a lot of different things. And so we had a conversation years ago about men and toxic masculinity and how it's so hard for um, the generation before us, and it even trickled down into us, that it was so hard to show emotion. You know, you can count on your hands how many times you saw your father cry, your grandfather cry, your uncle cry. And all of those things because they were just, they were taught that you never let them see you sweat. You never let them see you show emotion. You have to always be be tough, be a big boy. You're a big boy. You can handle it. And so that turned into us learning that men suffer in silence, even in relationships. You know, what you, you and your wife are going through it and you're always tending to her needs, but yet you put yours on a back burner or you always look out for your kids, but you always put your concerns on a back burner. And so you're depressed and you're hurt, but you can't say anything because you're a man. Nobody wants to hear you complain. Nobody cares to hear you complain. And that's just what we were taught. And so it's interesting that recently Kevin Gates spoke on men suffering in silence. And I spoke to my close friend about this years ago, and I thought it was funny because every time I feel like I've had a very, very in-depth conversation about something I thought was very thought-provoking or pivotal some celebrity of some sorts comes out and speaks on it and it goes viral and I'm like man I had my finger right on the knob you know and I should have just turned the knob and opened the door and been able to start a conversation but all things considered I appreciate Mr. Gates speaking so eloquently about it because to be honest with you it was a needed conversation to be had now it's my turn I want to set the, the, the table by saying that I'm, I'm going to read out some stats, but they're a little, they're aged by three years only because I was unable to find 2021 like concrete. And so we're going to play with these numbers, but take into consideration, it has increased in certain areas. The over, the bottom number has increased. Overall, it has differed in certain degrees. All right, so let's look at it this way. The age-adjusted suicide rate in 2019 was 13.93 per 100,000 individuals. So the rate of suicide is highest in middle-aged white men. In 2019, men died by suicide 3.6 times as often as women. On average, there are 130 suicides per day. White males accounted for 69.38% of suicide deaths in 2019. Now, we find out that CNN posted an article saying that the U.S. suicides fall for two years in a row during the pandemic. During April of 2020, they saw a 14% drop, biggest monthly decline, according to CDC. But young men and boys from the age of 10 to 14 experienced a rise in suicides. Hmm. 
interestingly enough. Now back to 2019, they released a report saying that death by suicide among black youth is rising higher than any other racial group. Suicide ranked as the third leading cause of death in black men from the ages of 15 to 24, and black men are four times more likely to die by suicide than black women. Why is that? Now, we found out that the number has increased. It has gotten better overall. The bottom bottom line, the overall number of suicides has increased. But in certain groups, it has gotten worse. Why is that? This is what I've come up with. Idols and ideals. Now, for me, um, idols fall along the concept of an idol is a person or thing that is greatly admired, loved, or reverent. Ideals is a person or thing regarded as perfect, a standard of perfection. I think we fall into a war between the two and it lands us as men in the situations that we're in. Let's let's talk about it a little bit. So, my brother, on the last episode, we we well not not, the, not on the last episode, on the last interview we had with my brother, he spoke about his father and how he he looked up to his father in such a way. His father was revered the lifestyle he lived, you know, the money that he got, the cars that he drove, the jewelry that he had, the women that he had, you know what I mean? Those things he admired about his father, so he idolized them. He idolized them so much that he didn't see the flaws, nor did he recognize the flaws as being significant. Because truly speaking, not fostering a relationship with his father where his father was able to be there really hindered his upbringing and and now he is acknowledging how he has to break the cycle even with his own son so watch this idols my brother spoke on how trying to read out loud he would make mistakes, right? Remember when he spoke about not being able to read all of those years and then learning how to read read at the age of 30? He said, trying to read out loud, he would make mistakes. And it led him into self-loathing, self-doubt. He gave up trying to improve because he was slowly arriving at these ideals the perfect standard that he should already know how to do this by this age F fully forgetting the fact that life happens and sometimes we miss the opportunity to improve in certain areas so he missed uh, missed out on the opportunity to to grow at a younger age where most people were already doing it and now at the age of 30, he's having to be taught something that most are learning at an adolescent stage. And so because he's embarrassed about it, uh, about it, sorry, he's struggling. But 
he pushed on through and learned how to read at the age of 30. Now, he still held his father as an idol. He wanted to be just like his father. He cared so much about being so much like his father that learning these little things didn't really matter to him, right? So, watch this. I asked him again about um, how he saw his father, right? And he says to me, well, I would expect you to feel as though my father not being around was a big deal. But to me, it wasn't. I'd rather him be a G, a stand-up guy, than for him to have been around and been, you know, and, and, and seem as if he was a sucker. And after a moment, he began to backpedal when he thought about it. And so I said, hey, I'm not knocking what you're saying, but I think there's there's much to be said about this response, which is you do things based on your understanding, your limited knowledge on the situation your father wasn't around so you don't really know what that truly looks like the effects of it you know what 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 could have been so different in your life had you just had your father right there the entire time right and so I asked him a question I said hey if you had if you were seven years old and you were told to make a five-star meal with a, with a full fridge, what would you do at the age of seven? And he paused for a moment. And I said to him, well, to be honest with you, more than likely you're going to turn this fridge and all of the products that's inside of it into this beautiful cuisine of, guess what? A PB&J sandwich. <laughs> Why? Because you only have a limited amount of knowledge. At seven years old, some people aren't being taught how to run the stove, how to run the microwave. But mom did tell you how to get two, two, two pieces of bread, grab a butter knife and spread some peanut butter on it and spread some jelly on that bad boy. And then now you're making a nice PB&J sandwich. And even though you have all of those other things, you have a steak inside the freezer, you have French fries, you have broccoli, cheese, and all of these different things. Even though you have all of this stuff available to make a five-course meal, your limited amount of knowledge of how to use these things, there's not but much you can do. So my brother's outlook was, it was respect to a hustler meant more to him than being a lame working a nine to five. But what if his father was. But what if his father's life, sorry, is the only life he's ever known? You know what I mean? But the father wrote. And this is where it got interesting. He said the father, his father wrote him and wish he had gotten his education. Because he learned how to read at the age of 47. My brothers ended up learning how to read 17 years before he did. He said he regret how he couldn't read or write. He learned 
in old age by an, a, another inmate who said the easiest way to learn how to read is to read a newspaper. But watch this. Let's go back to let's go back to the the seven year old in the five star meal. <laughs> Idols and ideals. Limited knowledge. The young man at the age of seven had options of making a PBJ sandwich, a steak sandwich, uh, 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 I don't know, pot roast, whatever you call it, whatever your, your, your upper echelon meal is. But because of his limited amount of knowledge, he chose what was easy for him. Let's dig in a little bit deeper. At the age of seven, a child has his whole life ahead of him. Yeah, get it while I'm giving it out for free. The child has a whole life ahead of him. And because he does, if he's listening and paying attention to what's going on in front of him, he knows that he has a whole bunch of options that he can partake in and he can become anything he sets his mind to if he just listened to what mom was teaching, if he was listening to what dad was teaching, if he's just listening to what the teachers are teaching inside of the schools. And this is how, come on somebody, this is how you navigate through this thing. He had a limited amount of information. He had limited knowledge. He had shut off options. His father shut off options. My brother shut off options only to revisit those things at later dates. Something they could have learned in grade school. They learned while incarcerated at the age of 30 and at the age of 47. It's funny how me creating this example of a seven-year-old just creating something to eat actually shows you how he's learning how to dine. He's learning how to dine. At the age of seven, he has his whole life ahead of him. You see, the thing about idols and ideals, ideals, culturally, we have set standards. High school, you got to graduate. You got to be a college graduate. You need a driver's license by a certain age. You want to own your own car by a certain age. You need to be married by a certain age. These are ideals, the perfect situation. We have idols and we have ideals. So as a man, it's so hard because you want to meet all of the criteria that's associated with the culture in terms of its ideals. But at the same time, you're aspiring to be just like your idols. And this is right where depression lands us. Because sometimes, mm, I'm going to revisit that. I don't even want to give it to you that early. Watch this. Where are you on the spectrum of purpose and identity? I've said a thousand times over, where purpose is not known, harm is inevitable. But where identity is not known... You tend to imitate in the pursuit of emulating. 
You see, to imitate, it's a reasonable attempt at copying something, usually something that cannot be truly duplicated. Mm. You want to be like somebody else. You want to be just like somebody else. To emulate is to imitate, but match the person in importance or success or to surpass the person in importance or success. But instead of emulating, taking something you saw and becoming much greater, we often imitate somebody and we fall short. Growing up, I remember we used to buy my, you know, buy the Mike Jordans, you know, retro one through whatever. And then out of nowhere, there was this brand called Air. And they had these things that looked like Air Force Ones, but they're not Air Force Ones. Yeah, that's that's what we call imitating. It's an imitation. It's a bad copy of something. It is a terrible copy of something. So ideals, ideals is the epitome of something. Now, how does that fall into suicides and depressions? I'm glad you asked. Let's look at ideals. You're told you have to have your driver's license. 16, 17, you have your restricted or whatever. All right, you f you're failing the test. You don't have your car. So now you're bummed out because all of your friends are picking up their girlfriends and they're dropping you off. And everybody else got a car in a group but you. Mm, that's a knock on you. You're sad. Everybody else is going to the prom. Mm, you want to be a class clown. You're not able to make it. Finances are bad at home. Not able to buy a suit. Everybody's graduating and going off to college, getting their college degrees. The ideal situation. You're not able to keep up with the culture. You're not able to keep up with the Joneses, as, as they would say. You're wearing shoes that came out last month. This month, your friends had all, have all the new. All the new, new. <laughs> like they say on the movie ATL. So not being able to keep up with the culture. Not being able to uphold the standard of certain things. It's it's not ideal for you to have all of these shoes, have all of these clothes, you know, to have you have waves in your head. Oh, now all of a sudden you want to get tattoos like everybody else. You're trying to keep up with the standards and so you're sad. You're hurt. But guess what? As a man, you can't you can't wear your emotions on your sleeves. You're watching the next man get awards, the finest chick at school, all of these different things, all, all of the ideal perfect scenarios. And, you know, we have this thing where, you know, as Gates was talking about, the, the Eurocentric mindset. So you want the fashion. You want everything that's that's listed on Instagram. You care about being drippy. You care about all of these things that's going on. You want 1,000 followers. You want 10,000 followers. You want all of these fans on Facebook. You want to be retweeted. You want all of the coolest shoes that drop. And so because 
your your money doesn't add up and things are not matching up. Now, all of a sudden, you start scamming. Now, you're stealing. Now, you're selling drugs. Now, you're robbing people. Now, you're committing time clock fraud at your job because you need more hours. You're stealing out the register. You're doing all of these things that you know you shouldn't do. But you want to keep up with everybody else. But it hurts even more when you're looking online and you see that your idols. Look at your idols. One of the toughest places to arrive at is to have to finally look the kid in you as the man in you and say to the kid in you that we may never arrive is to say to the kid in you who had a dream of going to the NBA the kid in you who wanted to be the engineer the kid in you that wanted to be the doctor the kid in you that wanted to be the scientist the kid in you that wanted to be all the all of the above and say hey you know what we're never gonna make it and it's not to say that you can't change it. It's not to say that, that things can't become different. But you chasing after your idols. Wanting to be just like them. And forgetting that the biggest difference is work ethic. Sometimes it's situational. Sometimes success can be situational. And because your situation hasn't. Granted you the opportunity that other people's have, you're depressed and you're hurt. And so because you didn't have that coach that pushed you, you didn't have your father in your life that was supporting you, you didn't have somebody to pay for you to go to this camp and that camp. So now you have to finally sit down with self and say, self, we wanted to be an NBA player. It's not going to happen. 20 years of playing 20 years of lifting weights, 20 years of running sprints, 20 years of going here and going there, listening to this person's advice, that person's advice, 20 years of doing all of these things, only to tell yourself that the one thing you dreamt of all your life may never become reality. 20 years of wanting to be just like Kobe Bryant, only to realize the closest thing you're going to get to him is putting on a Lakers jersey and getting it customized depression because you gave your heart and your soul to something you looked up to your idols you wanted to be just like your father and you fell short you fell short imagine the requirements Having to hold yourself accountable. We struggle in that department. We struggle in that department. Nobody, and I mean nobody, ever wants to come to the realization that their dreams may never come true and now 
what do you do? Who can I run to? It's, it's, it's hurtful. As men, you want to be valued. You, you want peace of mind. want to be accepted. You want to be desired. So not only are you struggling with your, your ideals and your idols, you're struggling at home. You're struggling in relationships. You're dating somebody because they look good, they don't treat you well. Or they treat you well, but they don't look good. So now your friends treat you away. And because you care about their opinion, you're conflicted. Your ego isn't being stroked. And when it's not, you go wherever you find it. And then you begin to wander off. This is why relationships go left sometimes. Because you can be so in love with a person. Love everything about them. And they make you feel like the scum of the earth. But you see potential in them, right? And it hurts. And your ego's not being stroked. You're not being encouraged. You're sad, man. You're hurt. And because your ego isn't being stro- being stroked, you have to find it somewhere else. And and Juanita at work, uh, or or Susan at work, she listens to you. She tells you you're smart. She tells you you're 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 brave. You're amazing. You're courageous. You're encouraging. And so you wander off. And what I tell you before, wandering turns into being lost. And now you're really lost in your emotions and you don't know whether you want to stay home or you want to go to this new place. And now you're wondering if the grass is greener on the other side. This episode feels like it's everywhere, right? Because that's just how the emotions are. As men suffering in silence, you you just don't know what to do sometimes but i've i've come to realize that problems can't exist unless a solution also exists and giving up is all that stands in the way of those wishing to find it if you want to find resolve you can't give up but it may be time to really address your idols and your ideals Bro, maybe you won't have the ideal marriage. Maybe you're not the breadwinner. Maybe you won't get a mansion. Maybe you can't vacation once a year. Maybe your wife won't be five five brown eyes, thick thighs. Maybe she won't be a person that lifts every day. Maybe you won't have a seven-figure job. Maybe you won't go to the NBA. Maybe those are just not the ideal situation for you. What does purpose look like for you? What does fulfillment look like for you? Your suffering 
and sadness because you're not meeting the criteria set out by the majority of people when the majority of people aren't even happy. Imagine the realization that you post on Instagram to get likes from people, right? You have, let's say, for example, you have 10,000 followers, but you don't have 10,000 likes. You have 500 followers and you only get 20 likes. You know why? Because they really don't care about your life. They're just being nosy. But the ideal society that you would like to live in is that everybody loves you. That everybody's cheering for you. And it hurts your feelings when you realize that's just not how the world works. Every man is trying to get by. Every man is just trying to figure it out. Who can I run to? To fill this empty space with laughter. Who can I run to when I need love? It's funny. Fathers. Fathers and ideals. The ideal father spends time and he spends money. You're asked to spend money and sometimes you don't have enough to do so. So you have to work more. But if you're working more, you're not able to spend time. So now the ideal situation is it's gotten you sad because your son is mad at you and your daughter's mad at you and your wife is mad at you because you're never available but you're always buying gifts you're always paying for things and they wish you would just be there but then when you're there you don't have enough money to buy and take them on trips and provide for this and to provide for that so now as a father you're sad because you're trying to figure out how do I do this thing perfectly? You'll never do enough of either. And you rarely get credit for trying your hardest. But you're condemned for what you haven't completed. And that's only in a tough situation. A good wife and a good family, they, 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 they appreciate and they cherish it all. But in a bad situation where the ideal situation isn't favored by what you have going on, depression tends to arise. You see, we all have this imaginary timeline that exists in our minds. And as we age and accomplish, don't accomplishes accomplishments, sorry, and the accomplishments don't tally next to the age you had in mind, we tend to see it as failure and it snowballs into Depression. I wanted to be at X, Y, and Z by the age of X, Y, and Z. And then now I'm at X, Y, and Z and I'm not there. My idol has seven cars. He was just in the Belize the other week. Man, he had like 12 chicks under his arm. How come I can't have that? Fortune, fame, and the flesh. The three areas we're tempted in. 
those things tend to get us in a lot of trouble. And we can't consult one another and talk about it because it's just not the cultural norm for men. And so where our our parents and our grandparents, they were emotionally detached. Now that we're trying to be emotionally aware, we're being called sensitive. You can call all these different names. And so now because your idol doesn't do it. It's not the ideal situation. But what happens when the two collide? When your idols are portraying non-ideal situations. When you begin to when you begin to realize that they're just as sad as you. They just have a little bit more than you. When you begin to realize they lie to portray something because they're just as sad as you are, bro. They're going through with their wife and kids too. Their album didn't sell as much as they expected. They're in debt. They're not traveling as much. They're posting the same pictures from the vacation they went on three years ago as well. But the world don't want to hit that. The world don't care about how you feel. The world don't care that you're, you got let off from your job. The world don't care that you were sick. You, you, you twisted your ankle. You couldn't play. No. You're a man. Suck it up. You got it. And so because you've always seen it that way, you've been forced to sit in silence. And try to figure it all out. Why? Because nobody cares to hear me complain. It changes nothing. I'm trying to be the best husband I can be. The best father I could be. The best man I could be. The best son I could be. The best worker I can be. I'm trying to be all of these different things. And and and, and please don't feel as though women don't go through it. Because women go through it just as much. Yeah, their suicide rate isn't as high as men. Correct. Women... Go through it too. Women struggle with depression too. And and the crazy part is, and men, they they don't even know if they diagnose it accurately enough because of toxic toxic masculinity, which is what I'm talking about. The the inability to express how we feel. So because I mean Let's just put, put, let's just be honest. How many times have we read a story about somebody committing suicide and those who are most close to the individual say that, man, he seemed okay when I talked to him. Why? Because he can't let you see him sweat. He had student loans, car was breaking down, boss wanted to fire him, girlfriend just left him. Man, I remember... I remember my senior year of college, I was dating a young lady, and her parents felt a way about me, right? Not to really go into much detail, because I, I don't want them to feel as though I'm attacking them and that I'm not over it, because we're eons beyond it, but this is a true story. So the family felt a way about me, all right? And so the toughest thing was I've always felt like in a relationship between two people, if there is an understanding, there should be no 
no outside influence should be able to come between two people if if they have an understanding a positive one sometimes people have an understanding that that just that just isn't conducive for a good relationship or a good lifestyle for either parties but if two people have an understanding they've agreed they're trying to figure it out together you know they're doing life together that's ultimately what what relationships are doing life with somebody else your significant other and the young lady allowed her family to influence her to the point where we we came we broke up now this is somebody at this time that I was like, as my mom would say, pillow talking with. I'm telling her the ins and outs of my life, how, why I am the way I am, you know, uh, the hurts and the anguish that I went through growing up and things like that. And so I trusted her not only as a girlfriend, but, you know, she was like my person. And though I had graduated from college, you know, I had student loan debt, no car, no place to live, no job lined up, you know. And I'm I'm I just came off the best year of college basketball, let alone basketball in my entire career of playing. I averaged twenty eight and six. Twenty points, eight rebounds, six assists. I was an all American, I was all conference. I had just preached uh, according to my peers, the best senior sermon they had ever heard at our college. But outside of all of those accomplishments, I had no job lined up. I had applied for so many churches to go work, and everybody was telling me, man, you know, you have this, you have that, but eh, we just we're going to go in a different direction, right? It was it was the the political way, the PC way of now nah, we good. So imagine me losing everything after feeling like I had just gained it all. The one thing I wanted all through my high school career was the notoriety, to finally become a staple, to finally have people cheering for me, ha finally have people acknowledging who I was and saying, hey, we got to stop him today and da-da-da-da-da and game planning for me. And I've always been the, the, the Robin to somebody else's Batman and I finally became Batman and it was just like, I did all of this only to become what felt like a complete failure. I wanted to go overseas. Nothing. Wanted to preach. Nothing. Tried to find a job. Nothing. And and the crazy part was I had debt that was accumulated from family members as, as well. They had taken out something and put it in my name or whatever the case may be and didn't tell me about it. And so I'm just feeling like it was trouble on all sides. Debt from school. Debt from family. Girlfriend just left me. No job lined up. No car. Just suffered an injury. Can't go overseas. I'm just like, can anything go right for me? And I remember after graduating and I didn't have money to pay for my, for my, my diploma. So I had to sell a pair of shoes. Funny. And this is, this is long before I got my collection to where it is now. Thank God. Uh, 
I sold a pair of Hornet LeBrons. I remember the LeBron nines. One of my college teammates, at the time we didn't get along too well, but he wanted me to be in his wedding. And we didn't get along. So I remember telling him, man, why do you want me to be in your wedding? And to be honest, it was two reasons I brought this up. Because one, I felt as though if you don't like me, why would you want me in your wedding? One. Two, I don't really have the money for it anyway. So since I can't really afford it, I'd much rather, you know what I mean, not do it. <clears throat> and lo and behold, um, I sold the shoes and I paid to be able to pay for my suit and everything. And I just, I just remember, like, I, I really remember being so mad <laughs> about getting rid of those dang shoes and thinking to myself, what? How did I end up being in such a place that I don't even have a couple hundred bucks to be able to be in a wedding? Like, this is like the lows of lows. Like, I can't be that much of a bum. And I just remember feeling lower than I felt when my brother died. Because though I had accomplished so much... Matter of fact, I had graduated and my, my siblings, they posted on Facebook, congratulations. They didn't tag me, but they just, I'm so proud of him and everything he accomplished. Man, nobody, nobody called me or anything. And you know, when you're, you know, when you're, when you're, when you're hurt, everything turns into a bad thing. Like you just check off everything as a negative. So this was like just another blow. And then I thought about when my brothers came home from prison once, everybody gave them money, thousands of dollars. When I graduated, nobody gave me nothing. I still had debt. I'm looking at my other friends and I'm seeing them get laptops and people gave them $1,000, $2,000, buying them cars and all of these things and paying for trips for them to go on and diamond earrings and all I got was a Facebook post that wasn't even directly sent to me. I wasn't even tagged in it. And it seems petty thinking back to it, but think about it. I had no job, no girlfriend, no opportunities. Me going to the NBA was out of the question. That's all I, all I longed for my whole entire life. And part of it was because my brother who died, who was my best friend, you know, the only person that in, in my in my family that I felt like really like cared. He was gone. And I really wanted to make it because he was a person who believed in me. I remember it was a, a coach that came to the park, man, and. He stopped the coach and he said, hey, man, would you, would you train my, train my little brother? And I just remember my brother telling me, man, you got you to gotta lose your, lose your, lose your little ego and learn. And in my mind, I'm like, dude, I'm better than you will ever be. I'm better than my sister. I'm, I'm better. I'm the best in the house. So much so that. 
I played them all one-on-one. I beat the brakes off every last one of them. But he was like the only person that I felt like ever really tried. And it sucked because when he passed away, I, I just knew the support wasn't there anymore. And as I got older, my mom never seen any of my college games. My sister was incarcerated for a, a, a portion of it. My other two brothers was incarcerated as well. And I have my godparents, but they're not my actual family. They're they're people that I inherited from a college teammate. And this is no knock to them. I love them to death. Don't get me wrong. They're all, they are family now. But in that moment, they were equivalent to strangers. I don't know these people. And it was like nobody who looked like me, who came from where I came from, was there to support me. And this was my lowest time. And it was like every time somebody needed me, I was always there. But when I needed somebody else, the help never came. And so I say nothing. Me and my sister had a had a very rough relationship. We never got along. We don't get along much now. But it was like, it just felt like I was always the black sheep. I was always a one-man army. But I couldn't say much. Why? Because, oh, you're being a sissy. Oh, you're being too emotional. You're acting like a girl. And so you get told all these things, man, growing up. And so you never measure up. You, you you never feel like you measure up. You never feel like you're good enough to meet the standards, to ever be on the same level as your idols, to ever be on a, to ever be on the same level as your peers, to meet the the status quo of the ideal set out by the common the commoner, if you will. My first car was at the age of, what, 21? Got my own apartment, 24. Lived with roommates in college in our in a, in a house, but I felt like I was playing catch up. But I was having to figure out life. But it was like, who can I, who can I run to? Who can I turn to? Who could I talk to? Who would really want to hear it? Who really want to understand? Who would really care? And that's why it's so tough as men because it's like nobody wants to hear it. Nobody cares. Figure it out. And in turn, it's caused me to be so shallow to my close friends because I felt like I had a tougher life than them. From seeing my brother being murdered. To my sister being incarcerated, to my brothers being incarcerated, to my brothers being shot, to my mom being grazed by a bullet, to other close friends being murdered. And so you just bottle it all up because nobody wants to hear it. Nobody cared that you failed. Nobody cared that you didn't make it to the NBA. People just want to see what are you doing now? And I hope you ain't doing better than me. So it was a tough day at the office. I began to love the idea of being a rebel. 
I began to love the idea of, of being to myself. Suffering in silence turned into strength in silence. I became strong on my own. I failed, but I failed my way to success. I've learned from bad student loans. I, I've learned from bad uh, car, car loans. I learned from making bad decisions with credit cards. I've learned from having these insatiable habits of, of wanting clothes, cars, and shoes, and all of these different things, and I'm learning how to dig my way out of it, but I had nobody to teach me these things. My godfather taught me something in our relationship during the time of me struggling with depression that to this day I never let go. I was trying to get a car and he wouldn't co-sign for me. And I respect it. In the moment, he felt like I didn't, but I, I get it. And when he told me no, he told me, hey, I want you to figure it out on your own. Because when I was your age, nobody else helped me. And I think you're a lot smarter than I was at that age. I just said, okay. And I went and I figured it out. And I remember my, my close friend asked me to co-sign for him, and I told him no. Thinking he would understand. Held it against me. <laughs> See what happens when you respect you and other people? That's beside the point, though. We suffer in silence because of our idols and our ideals. What we expect. What we want to become. And too often do we set aside purpose and cultivating had I known my purpose sooner something as small as all of that debt all of that feeling like the world was against me everybody's turning turning their back on me people not giving me opportunities my brother being gone I could have gotten over that sooner if I just would have stuck to the game plan of what is what what are you created for? What 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 does your design designer say about your design? What are you here to do? Maybe the nose and all of that trial and all of that hardship and all of those things are just to make you better for tomorrow. You gotta sit in this moment. Sit in this moment. You're gonna be fine. It's gonna hurt now, but tomorrow you will be fine. A problem can exist unless an answer exists as well. You will figure it out. But be strong enough to endure long enough until the answer comes. And don't go chasing after the wind. Because it's vain. Thank you guys for tuning in to today. We decide about tomorrow podcast. Hopefully something said hits home. Hopefully it didn't seem like a bunch of just rambling. I love you all. Thank you for supporting. You guys have a good day.